Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. So... Turn up your Walkman, loosen that scrunchie, and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Happy holidays, everybody. I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment and Sirius XM Volume, and this is another episode of Totally 80s. If this is the first time you're joining us, why not take a second to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email us your comments and show ideas to podcast at totally80s.com, and you can check us out on video as well. We're wearing Christmas sweaters and everything on our Totally 80s YouTube channel, so check that out if you are so inclined. And joining me today, as always, is the midger to my Bob Geldof, the Andrew Ridgely to my George Michael, or the other way around, the George Michael to my, I'll take, I'll be Andrew, John Hughes. Hello, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you, John. Thank you, you too. No fair, Andrew gets to ride race cars and do nothing and still you, make money, so I want to be Andrew. You can be Andrew, you can be yeah. Andrew, that is fine <laughs> with me. You do all the work and I'll just count the bills. Awesome. Okay. So you're, if I'm, if I'm keeping track, you are Midger and you are Andrew Ridgely and I'm George Michael and Bob Geldof. Okay. There you go. So obviously if people are wondering what we're talking about this, if you didn't catch the first episode, we are back to talk about more classic holiday songs from the eighties. Cause believe it or not, it is that time of year again. It might not seem like it when time has kind of stood still during this crazy year, but we want to make the most of the rest of the year and spread some early holiday cheer. So yes, our topic today is holiday songs of the 1980s. Well, let's talk about some MTV staples that would definitely got play on the day you're talking about. So I interviewed Martha Quinn whenever the last big uh, anniversary of MTV happened, which I guess would have been in 2016 when, it, when MTV was turning 35. And I asked her to run down her favorite 10 or so memories of her time when she was a VJ at MTV. And her number one moment, her whole time there, her number one experience was the shoot for Billy Squire's Christmas is the Time I Say I Love You, which was the first year of MTV. Billy Squire, on behalf of myself and everyone here at MTV, I'd like to wish you all a happy holiday season and a terrific new year. Christmas is the time. The first Christmas they spent together, they were all starry-eyed and excited. MTV had been on the air for four months and was just beginning to really take off. I believe it was the first year. I, if I, I could be mistaken. It might have been 82. But it, MTV was new is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And they all got together. And this is actually, I really love this song. And, and I always got very excited to watch Billy Squire and the VJs and the interns and whoever else was in that like Wayne's World basement with them. Because I liked MTV then because it felt like, that's what it felt like. It felt like Wayne's World or that 70s show, like just people in a rec room who were given their own network and were like big music fans and dorks like us. And it was like a clubhouse. Yeah. And this was the Christmas party that I would want to be invited to. And by doing this little video, 
we got that experience. And then they did another one with Brian Adams, mm -hmm. Brian, not Ryan Adams. Right. I'm not a hundred percent sure why they had him do a song called having a reggae Christmas. When I think reggae, I don't necessarily think Brian Adams. And I'm not quite sure why Pee Wee Herman was in it and why it was a dream sequence, like a fever dream of Pee Wee Herman's, but that's okay. But I enjoyed it. <laughs> I like that one, but you you can you know what my favorite MTV Christmas video is going to be? 1986. Are you the trying to the Monkeys Christmas medley? I don't where, remember this. I remember, of course, yeah. the scene from the regular Monkeys where they're singing a song. You'll let me know because I'm having a brain fart. But a song new, in another language. New to you. So that's what was it? it was a song in another language. It was like in a, it was a traditional song, like Castilian Spanish. A uh, yes. But yeah, they for the 1986 reunion, you know, when they were big again on MTV, they had them do the Christmas uh, Christmas video for that year, and they do it's like a medley. It's it's you know Davies doing the schmaltzy, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Uh, you know Peter and Mickey are there, and then at the end, the Santa Claus that's been following them around the whole video, they whip off his hat and its beard. Mike Nesmith. Wow. He got yeah. the Christmas spirit and decided to join the reunion. Did. So I have you know. such vague memories. Speaking of fever dreams, I have very vague memories of this. Very vague memories. But I'm going to go yeah. on YouTube and I'm probably good. go. You can tell a lot about a person by how they answer this question. Uh -oh. Which version of the Jingle Bell Rock video, Bahal Notes, do you prefer? John, John Thank you. Okay. This is why we're friends. Of course, I'm a huge Daryl Hall stan. I'm basically a walking Daryl Hall stan account. I love him so much. He's one of my favorite singers. But it always felt like spotting a unicorn when MTV at Christmas time played. There were they so basically Hall Notes did a cover of Jingle Bell Rock, and it was a super campy video that I bet was a ton of fun for them to make, where they're all just like it, again, it has that kind of clubhouse feel, very amateur. It feels like they made it up, shot it once. And drag. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So, but there's two versions of it because they, they recorded a version where John is singing the lead and this version where um, Daryl is singing the lead. And of course the Daryl Hall version gets played a lot more because he was for the most part, their lead singer. He sang on, you know, occasionally John got a song, but people think of Daryl as the front man or the lead singer of Hall Notes. And so we saw that one all the time, but they did occasionally show the John one. And when you saw it, it kind of felt like finding a golden ticket or like, you know, spotting a unicorn in the wild. Why did you like it more? I have my reasons, but I want to hear yours first. Just for that reason, I said, oh, just okay. because it felt like it was rare, just because it felt like a kind of a special thing to stumble upon it, um, you know, and also because I guess I tend to like to root for the underdog. And I always, you know, <laughs> thought like, oh, John gets his moment. Okay. I like his vocal more. Daryl's being Daryl, you know, it's all, it's pristine. Every note is hit, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then John's kind of like, you know, a jingle bell, jingle bell. <laughs> <laughs> Very new wavy, almost uh, rockabilly uh, vocal, which I thought was cooler, frankly. And, you know, you you get to see John Oates. This is my time. I'm five foot four and I'm going to take it. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, that might have been the first time the Jingle Bell Rock video might have been the first time that I heard John sing or was even aware that he could sing. Now, you might not, there was not, I think there's a video for it, but I don't think they played it a lot. But do you know he had a top 40 Hall & Oates hit where he does the lead vocal? How does it feel to be back? From, I know that song, but I've never seen the video for it, yeah, for sure. 
John's vocal. And, you know, it was great. It was, I think it was actually the first single from Voices, which is really weird when they, you have Kiss on my list and how does it feel to be back? What are you going to pick for the first single? Hmm, let's go. There, there might've been some machinations behind the scenes about like John being like, okay, could I have a single finally? But, you know, right. his single for me in my eyes is Jingle Bell Rock. That oh, is the one. That's and great. I love that video. Yeah. And then of course, the other big staple of the eighties videos on MTV. And this will get us into a whole conversation about an entire album series is run DMC's Christmas and Hollis. Such a jam. It's such a jam. And was this the lead single off the very special Christmas volume one? If it wasn't, it's the one I remember first. Cause the video, the video was just fantastic. So they, this series, and the series went on well into the 90s, but the first one came out in 87. And this was very all-star. had Winter Wonderland by the Eurythmics. It oh, had actually what might have been the first single. It was definitely a single. It was U2, Christmas Baby, Please, Please Come yeah. Home. So we got to hear Bono sing Christmas again. Um, Merry Christmas Baby by Bruce Springsteen, classic. Gabriel's Message by Sting. The Coventry Carol by Alison Moyet. Silent Night. Oh. By Stevie Nicks, whether it has a chorus or not, Stevie Nicks did a great job with it. I, you know, I love Madonna very much. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of her Santa Baby. She's oh. doing it all. She's Come doing on. it all in her breathless Mahoney voice. Yeah, Betty Boobin. It's a bit much. It's okay. a bit cloying. Plus, I don't like that song. I just don't like that song. I don't even like it when Eartha Kitt does it because the conceit, I know it's a joke, but the conceit that it's just like this very greedy, materialistic person upping the ante of what she wants from Santa. I just, I'll write already. Like, it just, it bothers me for some reason. It particularly Perfect bothers me these days. What, what's that? Perfect for Madonna. It, uh, yeah, I just, it's not my highlight of the very special Christmas yeah. series. That's all I want to say. But also, I, I'm curious, better go off a little tangent here, but mm -hmm. I saw Mama, Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, which John Cougar Mellencamp, as he was still billed at that time, he had added the Mellencamp, but he hadn't taken away the Cougar yet. <laughs> He did it on the on this album. Obviously not the first to do it. Lots of people have done it. Jack's Five have done it. It's like a classic. This song is weird. Yeah. Think about it. Okay. If I, if, if I'm if I'm thinking of the premise right, the mommy in it is married, right? Daddy's still in the picture, right? Because there's some kind right. of like, oh, what if daddy saw, you know, oh and don't you think if a child heard Santa downstairs? And scurried downstairs to see if San to get a look at Santa, and saw Santa hooking up with their mom on the down low. That it would be traumatizing. Like it would not be good. Mommy's getting her gift. But mommy's <laughs> still married to daddy, and well, if maybe daddy could only see that. And what if dad? You know, what if there was like a dark sequel where daddy comes downstairs, <laughs> sees that Santa is putting the moves on mom, and, and you know it takes a, a dark turn. You There's a movie. There's a movie. That's a horror movie. Found your next Hallmark movie. You've I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. The Revenge. I just always thought that was a weird premise for a song. Like, I saw Mommy cheating on my dad <laughs> with someone I admired who was a hero. It's bad. Well, okay. So that aside, although I'm not a super fan of that song or of Santa Baby. Overall, this was a very iconic series. It continued on to the 90s, like I said, but the classic one, the first one came out in 87 with the Run DMC song, with the U2 song. Do you remember this album, this album series being a big event? 
Yes, I worked at a record store at the time, right before uh, I left to go join the army. And that holiday season, this was on a loop. And it was good. I, I loved Winter Wonderland because it was Eurythmics. Uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, the minute that fiddle, that little fiddle violin came in, I'm like, I'm out of here. I can't take it. <laughs> You, you were traumatized by that. You didn't care about no. the fact that it was encouraging infidelity no. between Santa and mom. You just didn't like the fiddle. You went cloying. There you go. Throw that. <laughs> in that not hee-haw. I can't deal. I cannot deal. Uh, but, you know, it was, it, first of all, it wasn't for Special Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, come on. That album. Poor Alison Moyer is like, finally, I have an album that's like a multi-million seller and no royalties. I gave them all the charity. Aw, but it's since we're on the subject of the rhythmics, I do want to say I'm also a fan of the song. I think it was in the 80s. I think it was 89. That Annie, yeah, put a little love in your heart that Annie Lennox did with Al Green for. Was it for the Scrooge movie? Yes. Yeah, I, she has a voice that was just made. Has Has Annie Lennox ever done like a Christmas album? Because I know Eraser, not in the 80s, but Eraser did do one. Like if there was an 80s artist who could lend herself. I know she, you know, she did a standards album a few years ago. Annie should do a whole album of Christmas music. I would absolutely watch. Would she could call it You Have Placed a Chill in My Heart. Oh, good one. <laughs> well, we'll see. But let's talk about another Christmas song. Actually, let me just, you said there was one you were going to talk about that didn't have a chorus. Yeah. Was it? It, this is a band uh, where the lead singer and songwriter famously brags about not writing trip typical chorus verse chorus uh songs and in fact she doesn't understand why she had hits but she's not gonna hate it and that's the pretenders and mm. miles if you think about the pretenders catalog and the singles brass and pocket kind of has a chorus i'm special you know that part but songs like kid uh <laughs> middle of the road these are not conventional structures for pop songs and 2000 miles is much like that where it's just you know you've kind of got this very nice verse and it must be hmm. time is like the closest it comes to a chorus just that one line so uh i guess you're right i never really thought about it because her, so her, her songs are so catchy but like yeah even like tattooed love boys i guess kids no kid is not really kid comes in the first verse and like the first line yeah. if you read her if you read her autobiography she actually talks about this she's like you know i don't write normal songs and i'm really kind of surprised when people latch on to them because they don't have choruses they don't have big hooks so it, it's nothing i ever thought about until i read that autobiography and i was like you know she's right she's such a good songwriter you don't even notice that and i didn't notice until you just said it just now but yeah. regardless chorus or not 2000 miles is definitely an 80s christmas classic but here is the thing i was just we had this whole argument with you know with the wham song obviously it says it must be christmas time in it mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't actually think this is a christmas song because even yeah. though it seems like it would be because it says christmas in it it almost feels like that was tacked on to make it that because it was actually written from what i understand it was actually written for james honeyman scott because you know of missing him because he had died a year before the song came out so is it a christmas song just because it says it must be christmas time at one point I think it is very the guitars and that guitar that the guitar line that dun, 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 dun. it's first of all it's almost like uh, the Cocteau Twins where it's very mm -hmm. evocative of winter time and snow falling and you listen to it and you can imagine out your window that there's like a snowfall uh, that's where I think people kind of 
made that connection. And then she probably ran with it and said, you know what, let me throw this Christmas lyric in here and we'll have a, a Christmas single, which is what it was in the UK. Well, you know, whenever you write a song about any holiday, you can kind of be guaranteed that you will get radio airplay. And these days, you know, streaming service spikes at least one day out of the year. Yeah. Like every year at, on the 4th of July, you know, we can expect we'll hear X is the 4th of July probably on the radio. And so like if you write a Christmas song, you're going to get some play once a year. So like maybe that should be just everybody should have a song and be like, and then we're playing in the snow or <laughs> cider is great. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about some songs that may or may not be Christmas songs. I'd like to ask you if you think they are. We could play okay. a little game with this. Is the cover which I think is the superior version of, I know it's controversial to say, of Hazy Shade of Winter by the Bangles, a Christmas song. I say it is. You know why? Because I don't care. I've not seen Die Hard. I don't care if it's a Christmas movie or not. People can take that argument offline. Less Than Zero is not just a Christmas movie. It is my favorite Christmas movie. I love that movie so hard. And, and there's and snow in it. There's, it's, there's a lot of snow in it. <laughs> It's a very white Christmas on less than zero. Actually, my other favorite Christmas movie is the Bra a very Brady Christmas. Um, so yeah. that says a lot about me. But keeping it on less than zero, I love less than zero. Even though the movie is actually kind of terrible and has pretty much no resemblance to the book at all, other than the presence of the cocaine. Mm -hmm. But you know, whatever, and the names of the characters. But I had a great soundtrack and hazy shade of winter was a great song from it. I mean, I love everything about it. I love it when they show Andrew McCarthy first walking into that like giant Christmas party and like the cover of I want a rock and roll night by poison. The kiss song is playing. Like, I just love it to me. Hazy shade of winter. Again, they put the chimes in it. They, they put the winter. You threw sleigh bells in there. You got me. It's a Christmas song. Okay. Is dead by Christmas by Hanoi rocks a Christmas song, or is it just a song about being sad that you got dumped? <laughs> I'm on the fence about this one. I'm a really big Hanoi Rocks fan. I, I don't know if you are. Hanoi Rocks are like in my top five bands. I worship them. And they have a song called Dead by Christmas that the chorus goes, I'll be dead by Christmas any, you know, anyway, throw all my things away. They'll make great Christmas presents for you and for all your friends. So it's basically like a revenge breakup song, but it's someone who got dumped during the holidays. So I say it's a Christmas song. We have a history in Christmas of melancholy. We think about all the happy songs, but there are songs that are sad and they're melancholic. And have yourself a merry little Christmas. You listen to the lyric of that song, it's not a happy song. It's no. about, you know, hey, you've gone, you've left, you've moved on. You know, I hope everything's cool for you. I'll be over here, you know, crying in my mug of cider. <laughs> cider isn't always great, I guess. No. Um, have you heard another lonely Christmas by Prince, which was the B side of I would die for you. That is a really sad Christmas song. Yeah. That's a, that's harrowing. <laughs> that it's about, it's like your lover dying on Christmas day. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I guess that would be an overall existential question. Are songs like that Christmas songs? Are they just sad song is another lonely Christmas, a Christmas song because some people would say no, because if you're having a party, and you're trying to like get people in the Christmas spirit, you probably wouldn't play another lonely Christmas or dead by Christmas. You might play dead by Christmas because Hannah rocks just like you're up tempo. Home, you're home by yourself on Christmas day after, you know, escaping the family, you'll throw it on. Trust me. <laughs> Here are some other songs that I, uh, I want to just say are honorable. And I want to ask you if you think they are Christmas songs. Okay. 
surprisingly, this very much surprises me. You know, I am a huge fan of The Cure. We did a whole Cure podcast with Jenny V on Totally 80s that I encourage all Cure heads to check out. They have a lot of songs that mention Christmas, but they never, the closest they ever got to actually ever doing a Christmas song is sometimes they would cover Merry Christmas, Everybody by Slade live. And yeah. you can hear bootleg or live versions of that. I have counted at least five songs by The Cure that mention Christmas. The obvious, let's go to dad laughing at the Christmas lights. You remember? Hey, you, you, the one who looks like Christmas. Other Voices has a line in it. It's like, come around Christmas. I really need to see you. Last Dance mentions Christmas. The Snake Pit mentions Christmas. But they've never done a Christmas song. Are there any of these songs that could qualify? Let's go to bed, could. I people can't. like to people like to hook up at Christmas time. I don't know. I think it's a stretch. I think uh, it, you know. I, I would love to hear a Christmas or a Cure Christmas album. I'd love to hear a Depeche Mode Christmas album. Could you imagine that? What about uh, Christmas Island by Depeche Mode? Christmas Island is a geographic location. <laughs> so it's not a Christmas song. <laughs> no, but Cocteau Twins, Winter. Yeah, okay, Island, here we go. The Snowman. Here they're we go. Beautiful, and they're so well done, and they're so out of character for this, you know, gothy, reverb-drenched band that sings in a, a different, made-up language. All of a sudden, they're doing a straight-ahead uh, Frosty the Snowman. It's amazing. Are there any other Christmas or holiday songs that you would, you know, classify as, you know, goth or post-punk? Let's say that qualify unequivocally as. Christmas songs, because obviously Christmas Island and Let's Go to Bed and The Snake Pit do not, God. even though I might put them on my own personal list right next to Hazy Shade of Winter. What about um, the Kate Bush song? Christmas oh, will be magic or December will be magic again. Yeah, I would say that's a Christmas song for sure. That's definitely one. Bob and Doug McKenzie, The 12 Days of Christmas. That's depressing. Is She Won't Be Home by Erasure a Christmas song? Uh, they mentioned Christmas, you know, uh, it's about a girl away. I think she's at school or work and she can't make it home for Christmas. And so, yeah, that counts. Yeah. yeah. And the, and the crackers EP was a Christmas EP. So, well, let's talk about a song that a lot of people don't get along with people at the holidays. It does bring up a lot of stress, particularly this year. And this is kind of a breakup or a preemptive, like let's not break up song. It's definitely a Christmas song and it is Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight by the Ramones. One of my favorites. Cause I know the story about what inspired this song. Do you No, but I can't wait to hear it. I love the video is so problematic and I love it. Well, <laughs> I don't remember before I tell the story, tell me what's problematic about the video. Cause I, I very vaguely remember it. Well, it's basically a PM to uh, domestic violence. If you see it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think that was the true story behind this, but I'm sure you are aware of the love triangle that was within the group of the Ramones. For people listening who don't, Joey Ramone was initially going out with Linda Ramone, and they were serious, and they were engaged. And then she left him to go out with Johnny Ramone, who she ended up marrying and was with him until he died. And she still carries on his legacy. She does, like, events at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And, you know, it was a she was the hell of a Troy of the of the Ramones like from what I understand like Joey and Johnny never really repaired their um they probably never spent another Christmas together again like they just but you know she ended up falling in love with Johnny and it is what it is but before when she was still with Joey and they were engaged they were going to go ring shopping she told me this in an interview I did with Sirius XM in her own colorful way. So she said when she and Joey got engaged, his mother came with them to pick up the engagement ring because she knew someone at a diamond center who was going to give him a discount on the ring. So New York. 
It's so New York, right? So they went and she, so she was there with Joey and the mom and she was young. She was only like 19 or 20. Didn't know much about like how much rings cost or how much they're supposed to cost or, or what Joey could afford or whatever. And she wanted this really big heart shaped diamond ring and it was too expensive. So the mother and Joey were arguing with her and saying, no, like you got to come down and price that ring is out of our range. So they got in a fight about that and it became like a big thing. And that was what Joey wrote the song about when he wrote Christmas ain't the time for breaking these other's hearts. It was about a fight over the engagement ring that Linda wanted. So Aww. Santa baby, a ring. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, I hopefully the, I don't think there was any domestic violence, but now I'm basically no. remembering the video, the video star. I do remember the video search with them like really yelling and not, not, not um, the actors in the video, like yelling at each other. They're not beating each other up, but they're destroying That's the good. house. It's punk rock, man. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of evil rock and rock and roll Christmas songs, one of the most iconic Christmas moments in television history was when Spinal Tap did Christmas with the Devil on Saturday Night Live. Of course. <laughs> I have some of the lyrics. I have oh. some of the lyrics in front of me. Oh, I'm just going cool. to do them in spoken word because I've done enough singing on this podcast. No one likes hearing me sing. <laughs> the elves are dressed in leather. The angels are in chains. The sugar plums are rancid. The stockings are in flames. There's a demon in my belly and a gremlin in my brain. Someone, There's someone up the chimney hole and Satan is his name. <laughs> and it makes a great gift too. <laughs> I didn't get it when I was a kid. I get it now. It's hysterical, but I would see Spinal Tap and I'd be like, oh, first of all, I hate real metal. And now you're going to, I was about to say, you weren't really a metalhead and me growing up in LA, it was kind of like required to be I loved bad news. So I don't know. Maybe it was just the sensibilities that are different. Tying it back into my Rick Mail Christmas sweater I'm wearing. What other rock and roll Christmas songs do you like? I'm a fan of the Joan Jett and the Blackhearts version of Little Drummer Boy, which perhaps we could get into a big argument over whether the 1983 film class featuring Andrew McCarthy, who also was in less than zero and Rob Lowe, is that a Christmas movie? Because apparently mm. that was, this song was featured in that. I don't know about all that. You got There's, me there. I think it takes place. I think Jacqueline Bissett and Rob Lowe or Andrew, no, Rob Lowe's the, the son. Jacqueline Bissett and Andrew McCarthy, I think make out in like a glass or have sex in like a glass elevator at a Christmas mall, I believe. Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay. You but got me. What are, I, I like the Joan Jett version of Little Drummer Boy. I also really like, if we skip to the 90s, Beck's version of that song, which is Little Drum Machine Boy. What <laughs> other um, Christmas rock songs come, think, are among your favorites? Like Queen, Thank God's Christmas is a good one. That's from like yeah. 81 or something. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go obscure, but not new wave obscure, actually rock obscure. And it was another one of those videos that they would always play on MTV on Christmas Day. And the video is very Christmas. It's very funny. Uh, and the song mentions Christmas, but only fleetingly. And that's Billy Joel. She's right on time where hmm. he's decorating the apartment for Christmas and he's hanging Christmas lights. And I think the first lyric is actually stringing up the Christmas lights. And uh, it was from uh, the Nylon Curtain. And it was just a really good song. I mean, it's a Billy Joel song, but... Uh, I have no recollection of this video at all. Uh, and people never play it. And it just kind of got lost in the midst of mists of time. <laughs> I will say that my two favorite uh, Christmas videos to see on MTV uh, at the, besides the ones we've already mentioned were 
we talked about nativity scenes, right? So we talked about the um, the Frankie Goes to Hollywood video, Squeezes Christmas Day, which was like this weird panto like school play where they were playing that doing a nativity scene. I don't think it's technically 80s. I think it came out in 79, but I'm going to make it count because I saw it in the 80s on MTV. That was a big one for me. And then came out in the 70s. But I don't care. I'm going to mention it anyway because it was a big star of the 80s. It was on MTV all the time. And it counts because it was commercially finally released as a single in 1982. How can we not talk? If we talked about the Little Drummer Boy version by Joan Jett, got to talk about David Bowie and Bing Crosby. I love it. I loved it as a kid. I love it now. Uh, it is one of those things where you watch it and you go, oh, this is when, you know, he had cleaned up a bit. He wasn't quite living on milk and carrots and cocaine anymore. Bing uh, Crosby? Yeah, Bing. Bing <laughs> great when he cleaned up Bing got his act together stop slapping (laughs) Uh, I love that I love the whole weirdness of it you know David Bowie and Bing Crosby doing a duet you know the story about the David Bowie the peace on earth part right do you know that story um I don't well I think it was was like a last minute thing or something but tell me the story that was written especially for Bowie because he didn't feel the little drummer boy showed off his voice enough and he wanted more of a showcase for his voice. So they added that at the last minute and it makes the song. It's, it's awesome. It's incredible. Well, I'm just a little bit. No, I mean, it's, it's, I get a little verklempt when I, when I think about it because you know, they're both, they're both gone and everything, but I feel, I don't think we can top the David Bowie, Bing Crosby moment. It was a big moment. I, I discovered David Bowie through MTV. I discovered him through, you know, the first things I remember hearing about David Bowie were like, you know, the ashes to ashes videos. Like, um, he was weird. He was strange. And all, you know, they were the lodger video. Like basically MTV in the early eighties was totally playing DJ look back at anger uh obviously all the let's dance videos it was uh, and then you saw this moment where he wasn't weird where he was in a mr rogers kind of it was kind of a mr rogers sort of thing it was very cute so that was that's probably my favorite video besides band-aid so i feel that is a unless there's another there's moment there's one christmas song that we really need to talk about and probably end on because it is the most polarizing Christmas song and it came out in 1980 there's I think there's a video for it but nobody ever plays it and that is Paul McCartney and Wings Wonderful Christmas Time people wasn't that in the 70s 1980 people either it just sounds like it was in the 70s people love it or they hate it I wouldn't claim I love or hate either one but well, it is repetitive. It definitely has a chorus. I will say that. Unlike some of the other songs you're talking about, you it has a chorus. But it's pretty <laughs> much just a chorus. It's like na 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 na. Have you seen like this weird, um, this weird video, like a supercut, like a- edited video done by a fan, or maybe it's not really a fan. Maybe that's the wrong word. That's on YouTube. You know, what's the first line in in that song? The spirit, the time, the, the moon out. The moon is bright. The moon is bright. There you go. Someone through some digital editing i can't explain because i'm not a tech person but they changed the entire song so it's it's it the title of it is wonderful christmas time but it's only the moon is bright so it's like the moon is bright the moon is bright the moon is bright the moon and and it really drums home how freaking repetitive it's not his you know it's not yesterday let's just say that i don't hate it though i mean it's i listened to it today actually i was listening to a bunch of Christmas songs like from the 70s and 80s so I just kind of get in the mood to do this podcast and when it came on I didn't skip it 
I wasn't like, oh yay, it's all but why do you why do you think there are people that hate this song so much? I think it is the dated uh Yamaha DX7. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's it? That's the best part, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Actually, the part I hate is the part where it go where the children sing because I'm a horrible misanthropic child hater. I'm not actually, but just it's so like the children. They're like ding dong ding. It's t- it's just a bit a bit too cloying for me. I'm sorry. It, it is. Uh, it's a song, like I said, that people. With the exception of you, apparently, people either love it or hate it. Well, apparently, that song sounded dated when it came out because I yeah. was completely under the impression that that was a song from like 1975. When we were doing the Monkey's Christmas record a couple of years ago, uh, Adam Schlesinger and I were trying to come up with uh, some songs for it with the band's uh, with the band's help, and I threw out, "Hey, we should actually try to cover Wonderful Christmas Time," but strip it down make it acoustic show people the actual song as opposed to all the dated uh yamaha and you know the children's quiet and, everything. and did you realize then that there's actually no song no no we did it it sounds okay. great and but adam hated that song. he hated it like from the beginning or he hated the result of what you did no, no, he we ended he ended up really liking what we did, and 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 he's one hundred percent responsible for that. Let me make that very clear, uh, because the man was so talented. But it uh-huh. was it was just a funny, uh, it wasn't an argument, uh, a funny back and forth where I'm just like pushing this song, and uh, it was it came out well, and uh, I think it is the beginning of the eighties, uh, where it really was the end of the seventies because it was out the same time as McCartney two, which was his really weird new wave record, all synthesizers he did on a boat. This is part of that era. I don't even think it's wings. I think it may just be Paul McCartney. Um, Simply uh, having uh, wonderful. It's, it's catchy. It's catchy. It's going to be in my head for the next uh, month. So thank you for that, John. I think as, as you said, what's up? <laughs> did he get all the kids on the boat to do the bad <laughs> I just don't like the part with the with the it's yeah. too on the nose where it goes the children sing their song and then all these children come in and go ding. No, it's he just was too on, much. He was on SNL for Christmas a few years ago and he did it live uh, with uh, a New York City Children's Choir and it was really good and it okay. made me sit back and go, hey, that song's not bad. I think I'll steal it for the monkeys. <laughs> did that ever come out? It did. It's on I'm Christmas. Check- it's on Christmas party on all streaming services. Awesome. Well, I'm going to check that out. And I think that is, as you say, a perfect note to end things on. I've been simply having a wonderful Christmas time with you. The mid-year to my Bob Geldof, John Hughes. <laughs> I've been Lindsay Parker. And we want to thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful and safe holiday season. And please remember to give us a rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. And we'll catch you next time. This was Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Totally80s. And please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next episode, catch you on the flip side. <laughs>